As things often go in Michigan, the fate of no-fault reform, that is, our latest attempt to wrestle with the high cost of car insurance here, is still up in the air as we edit this podcast. It's an issue that has bedeviled the legislature for years, for decades. And then, all of a sudden, the State House and Senate passed separate but similar reform bills last week. The governor has said she'll veto both, for reasons that mainly don't have anything to do with the main driver of Michigan's highest-in-the-nation car insurance rates. And what is that driver? Personal injury protection. We're going to try to explain it today. This is Facts Matter, the Citizens Research Council of Michigan podcast. Nancy Derringer, Communications Director for the Research Council, and in this podcast, we look at Michigan through a policy lens. Our discussions here are informed by our 103 years of experience doing nonpartisan, fact-based research on policy issues. We hope this podcast will serve as another way for the public to access our work, which is, as always, free and available to all at our website, crcmich.org. Today, I'm talking to Eric Lufer about this bedeviling problem of life in Michigan. Eric, welcome. Good to be back. Yes. Well, I am not a lifelong resident of Michigan, and whenever I read about the problems with our current no-fault auto insurance, which predates my residency here, I think this probably sounded like a good idea at the time. Can you walk us through the high points of the history of how we got here and found ourselves in this very expensive circumstance? So in the 1960s and entering the 1970s, there had been a number of issues with Michigan's um, insurance code, which at that time was what you call a tort system. If you were in an accident, then you had to uh, sue the other party if they were at fault, asking for damages to your car and person if necessary. Uh, and around that time, a number of states had begun to transition to what we call no-fault insurance. No-fault insurance means it doesn't matter who is at fault. Your insurance company will pay for it. Uh, the idea with that, they thought it was going to save cost, but they knew that it would expedite the process. Uh, so if you're in a tort, a state with a tort system, something happens, then you have to hope, and hope that the right attorney comes along and, or you know an attorney and can get you the damages you need as quickly as possible. But if you broke a bone, if you have injuries of some sort, you can't afford to wait. You need to go to the hospital and get the care you need, you need your car fixed so you can go back to using it again or, or replaced or whatever. In a tort state, those are problems. You have to you know, let the system play out. With a no fault, you know right away your insurance company is going to take care of your car, going to take care of you, and the cost will be met. So um, you go back to the 1970s and health insurance, health costs are not what they are today. 
and this was just sort of built in that they would pay for the, the car and the person, but we now know that healthcare costs have escalated for everyone the way they have and the way our insurance code was written for the health aspects of car insurance. It's just that's sort of the root of the problem. It almost sounds as though no-fault auto insurance is a little bit like no-fault divorce. It, it acknowledges that car accidents happen. They happen frequently. So do divorces. Um, rather than clog up the courthouse with a bunch of people suing each other, um, let's just say these things happen, everybody carries insurance, and we're just going to handle it that way. That's a good way to look at it, that... Um our courts are busy enough already, and do we need them settling every dispute? Uh, accidents are, you know, just that. They're accidents. They right. weren't done with malice. So let's get everybody back to their lives and doing the best they can and, and you know, not worry about the little stuff. Right. And like you said, in 1972, we weren't talking about health care costs the way we have been in the last... Uh, 20, 30 years, right, yeah. and it's just gotten out of hand. So, okay. So some of the numbers in your recent blog on this subject were really startling. Um, our average annual cost of, a, of car insurance in Michigan is almost twice the average of our neighbor states and the rest of the country. And, of course, we all know what's driving that, which is the cost of the medical component, or PIP, personal injury protection. Uh, walk us through that and maybe explain a little bit about why Michigan's medical component is different from that of other states. So to begin with, uh, the insurance code says that the insurance companies will pay all reasonable cost, and they will pay that at the amount customarily charged. Those are key terms right there. So... Um, all reasonable cost has become a very subjective thing and we end up paying things that an impartial third party might decide some things aren't reasonable, but more and more things get thrown in and accidents, the results of accidents get stretched out further and further over time. And then there's the amount of the billing, the amount customarily charged. And what we see when... You say you've had to go in for treatment somewhere, something totally unrelated to a car accident, you get a statement from your insurance company that says the hospital, the doctor, the EKG provider asked for this amount. We told them we we're willing to pay that amount, and that's what gets paid. But the auto companies, the auto insurance companies, don't have ability to negotiate down that to that lower rate, they have to pay that top amount that was submitted. And you can imagine if, if you ever looked at those amounts, they're just uh, exponentially higher than, than, the, uh, than the amount that gets paid usually. So, um, And there's no, just, there's no um, provision in this law for auto insurers to negotiate the way Blue Cross Blue Shield would um, if you were if you had just suffered this injury in the course of your life that didn't have anything to do with driving. So they have tried to do it, um, but they got sued as a result in a 
case called uh, Munson versus AAA. There's you know the fine tuning of what it is, but uh, the court said that if you read the insurance code, it says the amount customarily charged. It doesn't say the amount customarily paid. It doesn't say take that customarily charged and negotiate down. It says pay the amount customarily charged. The amount customarily charged is a high amount. (laughs) My brother once uh, broke his ankle and uh, did not have health insurance and drove around to something like five different hospitals offering to pay cash for the um, treatment of his his ankle and ended up... um, you know, getting a pretty reasonable price for it. He had to endure a lot of pain along the way, but it seems as though there's nothing murkier in our healthcare system than what something actually costs. I mean, there's the list price, there's what you what your insurance pays, mm-hmm. there's what you would pay if you came in with a wad of hundred dollar bills. I mean, it's it's a an enormous spectrum, and so what we're paying essentially in uh, via our car insurance is the list price. Correct. That's exactly it. Okay. All right. As defined by the health providers. Right. Who can charge whatever they want. Right. Right. Customarily. (laughs) Okay. So then there's section 3157 of the insurance code. Um, You write that modifying this section of the law is key to lowering the cost of claims. Can you explain that? You have an advantage on me, but... um, that is the provision that says the amount customarily charged. So if we're going to get our arms around this and pull down uh, the cost of health insurance, we either have to change that language that allows the insurer to negotiate down to a lesser amount, change it to say the amount customarily charged or the, the amount customarily paid um, to provide some co-pays or or other means of uh, sharing the cost and creating some market elements into it, or what the bills that were introduced in the House and the Senate do, they create a fee structure that says we're not going to leave it to the market for the insurers and the health providers to negotiate down amount. We will set that um, administratively, I guess it is, and um, they, they propose to use the fee schedules that are currently being used for the workers' compensation system. Right. So if we're going to get our arms around this, you know, the amount we're paying when you dent your car, you dent your fender, um, things like that, that all can be brought under control, but it's the health care cost, and that provision is really the key element of it. Okay. Now, not everybody has health insurance, of course, um, although they are supposed to now. Um, How would this affect them? Well, so right now there's duplication, right? So those of us lucky enough to have health insurance through our provider, those of us on Medicaid, those of us that have taken advantage of the Affordable Care Act and gone on the market have health insurance for everywhere outside the car. And then when you buy personal injury protection as part of your car insurance, you're buying duplicative health insurance in case you get hurt while in your car. Uh, What's being proposed in the statute would be to eliminate that duplication. If you already have health insurance, you can use that in lieu of personal injury protection. 
the uh, personal injury protection would continue to be uh, a market thing that a customer can buy if they don't have health insurance otherwise. Uh, so they would at least have health insurance in case of an auto accident. Um, so there's some opportunity here to remove some of that duplication and streamline the system. Uh, the devil will be in the details, I think. Absolutely. Um, the, the 2013 paper that the Research Council did um, looked at ways that claimants uh, can drive up costs. And it looks like as though this is also a very fertile area for fraud, although we hasten to add that not everybody um, is 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 filing fraudulent claims in these deals. But um, those who are injured may seek additional care. And we point out that it's in the financial interest of medical providers to deliver the services because the payment is assured, right? Right. There aren't going to be any deadbeats on this thing. So the insurance companies have to pay what are called all reasonable charges. And this seems like an invitation to abuse not only by claimants but by their attorneys. Um, is this what's happening now? Yeah. I mean, so your question is couched in terms of fraud, and we have to acknowledge that that's out there. Um, but I think just for the lack of knowledge, the lack of not people knowing what's in their best health interest, whether they need to see a doctor or get that extra x-ray to have that extra test, they're at the mercy of the doctor. And when in doubt, get the extra test, I, I would think. Um, so the system really is set up for people to consume as much health care in the case of an auto accident as is, you know, as appeals to them. And as you say, the, the incentive isn't necessarily for the doctor, the hospital or anyone to say, well, we don't think that's really necessary. Let's save a few bucks here. No, uh, let's gonna, make a few bucks they're, here. <laughs> they're going to provide the service and the system is set up to make sure they get paid. Uh, so, you know, certainly we need to introduce some aspect of uh, auditing, some aspect of a third party judging whether the extra costs are reasonable. And anybody who's dealt with an HMO might cringe at that thought to right. say, well, do they really know how much pain I'm in that this, sure. this could be helpful? Um but just to let it run amok, continue to go without oversight, uh, I think we'll just we'll continue to add up cost. Yeah. Okay. So what happens next? I know that the governor has indicated that um, she's thinking about vetoing um, one or both of these bills because it doesn't do what everything that she wants. Um, can you offer any insight on that? So as I as we you know sort of walk through most of the changes in the proposed bills uh, are dealing with the health aspects of the law. The governor and others who agree with her feel like the non-medical costs need to be brought under control as well, especially as it relates to Detroit and our other major cities where um, the costs are just even twice as much as the rest of us are paying in some cases. Right, where they're setting your rates depending on your zip code, your credit score. Um. Right, and their complaint is that there's non-driving aspects that are being used to drive, to determine your, um, insurance, your cost. insurance cost. So 
uh, people inside the industry say there's correlation there and they can justify their use. Um, that's really the sticking point here. I th- think the proposals, you, you, you know, you quibble about how we're going to rein in the cost, but th- the proposals will rein in cost in some ways. Um, but does it provide the relief for uh, people of color that hit get hit both because of geography and because of credit scores? And does it provide the relief to those with the least among us who need to be able to drive, given our lack of mass transit, given, you know, everything that we've we've located the businesses outside of our core cities. So um, if we're going to provide opportunities for all, then these are aspects that need to be looked at as well. Yeah. And we also forget that this, because we have... Um, because we have tied our voter registration to our car registration or where we live, um, people who uh, may have a financial incentive to register their car, like young people with their parents who may live in this, you know, they may live in Detroit and their parents may live in the suburbs. I mean, there are all kinds of ways that you can get around um, paying that Detroit premium. Uh, but then, of course, you can't vote in Detroit. And, you know, I don't know if these numbers are significant, but I know that some smart people have taken a look at it and they've said, you know, this is something that needs to be looked at because we can't have, if we want people to be fully participant, participant, participating in the democratic process, we can't give them an, an incentive not to register to vote in the city where they live. Yeah, it's weighing the economic cost against the price of uh, participating in society and right now the economic costs are, are outweighing uh, sure. the civic Yeah, I mean, cost. how much would so, you pay to vote in, <laughs> in the um, city where you live? Yeah, so uh, it's not an easy fix. That's why it's been going on for as long as it has. Um, there's the, the medical side on one and the insurance side, and I remind myself every time I deal with this issue there's people's lives in the balance. People are getting hurt. They need the treatment. Um, so we can't lose that aspect of it. But it, there's a lot of consequences, as you suggest, far beyond just fixing um, the system and the interplay between the insurance companies and the medical providers. Okay. Well, maybe we will see something happen this session. Um, fingers crossed, and uh, we'll hope for a good outcome. Thanks for coming by, Eric. Stay tuned. More to come. Sure. And that will do it for this edition of Facts Matter, the Citizens Research Council of Michigan podcast. Remember, the council operates as a public resource, and all of our papers, along with blogs, op-eds, and other resources, are available for download on our website, crcmich.org. We operate as a nonprofit through the generosity of Michigan's corporations, foundations, and individuals like you. If you'd like to make a donation, go to our website, crcmich.org, and click on the contribution button on the homepage. We also welcome feedback, which you can send via email to crcmich at crcmich.org. I'm Nancy Derringer, and until next time, I leave you with this observation by our founding president, Lent Upson. The right to criticize government is also an obligation to know what you're talking about.